Hello, I'm Chris Lee. This is the Vandy Sports Podcast, part of the 440 Sports Network. The band is back together again. It's been a while since the band played together. Mm-hmm. Billy Derrick joining us. He's like the the band manager. We got Joey Dwyer over here letting his hair grow out like a, <laughs> like a true rock guitarist. I don't know what's going on with Joey's hair, but uh, if you're watching it, you can see for yourself. My mom doesn't know what's going on either. She's probably yeah. Well, she's probably going to know after this. Mm-hmm. Guys, welcome. It's 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 fun to do this. I feel optimism in the air. We're we're ten days away from baseball, buddy. Let me just tell you, it's it's cold and dark in the mornings around here. You get up. There's no sunlight yet, but there's sunlight emanating because it's almost baseball season. That's what gets me out of bed this time of the year. We are ready to roll today. There's light at the end of the tunnel. It's it's funny. I was talking to Joey after Corbin's availability and R.J. Austin and. Um, Carter Holton spoke and me and Joey walked out of that presser, like almost like dumbfounded at how like, you know, Corbin is, is excited for the season and Carter Holton, you could be one of the best pitchers in the country and RJ breakout player in the sec. It's like, Whoa, all right, here we go. Like the, let's, let's get baseball going now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good just to have some positivity and, um, you know, a, a national title winning program to, to talk about again. Billy, it was great to have no next questions or did you watch the game or anything <laughs> like that in that press conference. It was, it was tremendous. Oh. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I loved it. Yeah. Corbin doesn't give you a ton, but that that day, Joe, I think it was like a 20-minute um, interview presser. So mm-hmm. he gave he gave us a good amount. I think you could tell the weather was nice. He, was, he sounded excited. Carter Holton is healthy. So, yeah, it's uh, – it, so slightly different than, than what we've experienced. Just a wee bit. Billy, who is this podcast presented by? Anchor Impact. Commodore Nation, you can get closer to Vanderbilt Athletics than ever before with Anchor Impact. They are the official NIL collective for Vanderbilt University. As an Anchor Impact member, you gain exclusive privileges and benefits, offering deeper engagement with student athletes, coaches, staff, and the entire Vanderbilt community. You can access behind-the-scenes content, exclusive events, unique merchandise, and personalized experiences, creating an unparalleled connection with the student-athlete's journey. Join the mission of Anchor Impact to support student-athletes and elevate Vanderbilt athletics to new heights. Help the Commodores thrive and contribute now by logging on to anchorimpact.com slash register. Speaking of sponsorships, Billy Derrick, what, what is the only thing in this world almost as good as baseball? Ice cream. Ice cream. Guess who sponsors baseball season? It's the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Studio. Only, only thing better than baseball a, is baseball ice match. cream. And these guys can help you with that, man. This is a family-owned third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro, a partnership that began 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide Purity Milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee. They now serve Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, North Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with Purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, Haagen-Dazs ice cream. For more information, visit their website at npmci.com. I'm I'm still a homemade vanilla guy. Theirs is outstanding. If you don't like vanilla, get stuff to put on it. Uh, There's plenty of options, but you, you cannot go wrong with ice cream. 
Only one thing go wrong with ice cream, Bill. You know what that is? What's that? You spill it on yourself. Mm. Not that that's ever happened to me. But if it did, do you know where I would go? This guy's good. (laughs) Where would you go, Chris? I'd go to the Wash House, who also sponsors this podcast. Are you dreading laundry day? Uh, Is it stealing time from the things you truly enjoy? Let the laundry professionals at the Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry. Our professional attendants will give you back the one thing you can never have enough of. That is your time within 24 hours. You can pick up your nicely folded, fresh, and clean laundry to be put away. Check them out, washhouseclean.com. Stop in today. Get your time back. Steve Anders, good friend of mine, friend of the show. We, we thank both those companies for helping make this possible. All right, gentlemen, I have been snowing, snowed under literally and figuratively. It has been a, been a year already at the Lee House with all the things going on. You guys, however, had a little bit more time. You've been out to Hawkins Field to, to be able to to see a little bit of this and that. Billy, I'll start with you. What are your impressions of the winter workouts and scrimmages you've seen? Yeah, Joey and I went early in the winter, um, and we were talking earlier. It's hard to take too much out of these. Uh, really just, you know, especially for people that cover the program positionally, where's this guy playing? Uh, what kind of reps is this young guy getting? Um, you know, things like that. And I think you can, in terms of the young guys, the freshmen, you can get a feel for what kind of player, I mean, you, you know, just watching, you know, as, as more or less a fan, you, that guy looks, looks good at second base or, you know, this guy, this guy had a home run over the, over the monster today. You know, I say like little tidbits you can take. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the freshmen did pop out and I'll start there. And, and Joe and I have talked about a lot about Cam Kojal, a guy at, uh, at second that, is going to play this year, you know, Braden Holcomb, just looking at him. I mean, he's, he's arguably, I mean, he might be the biggest guy on the team. He's got arguably the most power on the team. And so they've got some physical freshmen that I think they haven't had in quite some time. And I think that was intentional. Um, You know, I I think over the last couple of years, power hasn't been a, a strong suit. And Chris, you know, this Joe, you know, it after last year in the sec, getting a taste of it, there's a lot of power. I mean, it's a home run heavy game, uh, power pitching. Vandy's got the power pitching, but the the power hitting has, has been lacking, as we know. So I think Braden Holcomb obviously stands out. Ethan McIlvain, a power arm that I'll mm-hmm. be really interested in in watching this year. Corbin compared him to Carson Fulmer, a guy that, uh, of course, started in the midweek. Yeah, and you know that kind of raised my eyebrows. Um, you know, I kind of looked over at some of the other people there. We like, okay, because uh, Fulmer obviously is in the big leagues now and. Uh, had a phenomenal career at Vanderbilt. So Corbin talks positively every year about his team, but he compared academically this group, uh, you know, as as maybe even the 2019 team and some of the teams of the past. But in terms of takeaways, Chris, you can't take a ton uh, away from these scrimmages. I know Aria Gerson's done a good job with stats. So if you if you want if you're interested in any of those stats, uh, you can check uh, check her Twitter account out. Um, but yeah, Joey, I. You went, I think, over this weekend, but for me, it's the freshmen. Guys like Kojal and McIlvain and Holcomb, you know, they may not play a ton, you know, in SEC play, but who knows? I mean, you know, you never know who who's going to step up. Yeah, for me, I think the freshmen have been a takeaway, but also the pitching has been a takeaway, and we kind of knew that heading in, but 
every time I'm there, I see two guys who start the scrimmage. And it's like, wow, those guys both could be in the rotation and be good pitchers for them. And it's like that every single day almost. You have Carter Holton, who's probably going to be the Friday night guy. He seems to be returning to form. I think he threw, what, three innings this weekend that were scoreless and only gave up one hit. Devin Futrell hasn't been fantastic, but I don't think he was fantastic in the preseason last year. We had him as, like, our seventh biggest pitcher to watch in the preseason. So I think you take what he has done with a grain of salt. But then the depth is really what has stood out to me. Bryce Cunningham, I think, has really thrown his off speed for more strikes. Seems to be more confident. Uh, I've seen him two or three times, and I think he's been really good all of those times. Grayson Carter, again, I think is also throwing more strikes than he had in the past, and obviously Mm. the velocity's there. Um, will that translate? We'll see, but it seems like both of those guys have taken steps forward, and I think those are real X factors for them. If Carter and Cunningham and Dukanich can be good pitchers for them, at least two of them, I think they could be a really, really good team, and that's a great Sunday battle to watch, and I think Cunningham maybe has the leg up there, but I think uh, the other two guys could really be in the mix there as well, and Ethan McIlvain, I think, will probably start midweeks, but again, could be a guy who steps forward later in the year, and then they have bullpen arms, Ryan Ginther, Sawyer Hawks, a lot of guys who can contribute and have been really good and have flashed how good they can be. I think the lineup has a lot of pieces. Uh, I don't know how great all those pieces are at the top end, but I think they really have a chance to be a deep lineup who you you can't take an at-bat off against, and I think that's probably going to be the calling card of it. Joey, help me out. There was a, there was a tweet – and you might have sent it to me that that caught my eye on Carter Holton. I think somebody had talked about him being maybe the the best pitcher in the country. But j- jog my brain on what that was again. Uh, it was, it was Mitch Light. We actually got okay, one, and he was telling me he does this coach's roundtable, and there was an SEC coach. I'll I'll not name him for now, just because I don't know if the story's out yet. To be honest with you, but there was an SEC coach uh, who said that he thought if Holton was healthy, he was the best pitcher in the country. So I think wow. that speaks volumes about what he can do. And it seems like to me, we talked to Holton a few days ago, and I think the biggest step for him has been pitchability and just kind of learning how to be a pitcher rather than a thrower. And it feels like he's really embraced that. He's learning his off-speed. I think he added a slider. So he's done a lot of good things throughout the off-season, even though he hasn't pitched since July in a game setting until, what, last Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see the kind of year he has, but the early returns seem really good this off-season. Yeah, the, the big thing for me, real quick here, Chris, on, on Holton, I think, and again, I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy, I think the big question with him is can he stay healthy? It, mm-hmm. is, health, is health a problem year in, year out? And, you know, Again, we don't know, um, but Tim Corbin did say, he was on with Andrew Allegretta um, for, on, the, on their Anchor podcast. I thought that was interesting. He said in there that the staff tweaked the strength and conditioning program and put huh. more focus – on conditioning deeper into the fall in order to try to prevent an injury situation like last year with the pitching staff, your two best arms, um, you know, Hunter Owen and Carter Holton weren't available uh, in, in, in the postseason. So I, I think that's interesting. Can they stay healthy? If they stay healthy, this is an Omaha team. Um, that, that can be a big if, though, at times. And so I think they're doing everything they can. I just thought that was interesting. I haven't gotten a chance to listen to that, but – I I will after hearing that just to dive a little bit deeper. I think that's kind of an interesting aspect of their offseason. I want to go pitching heavy before we turn to the lineup. And Joey, I think you hit the nail on the head with Futrell. I, I don't think that the scrimmages 
or usually anything where you you leave with your head turned. There are just some guys that maybe they're working on stuff in scrimmages. Maybe he's working on a particular pitch, and so hitters know what's coming. Whatever Futrell does in scrimmages is probably immaterial given on – and maybe we're imagining this, but it, it does feel like he's he's kind of unimpressive when you see him in those conditions. Lights turn on, it's a real game, it's different. So with that, he's going to be the two. Where where do we think they are with their other three spots? Because it seems like Cunningham, Carter, Dukanich. In my opinion, Dukanich is the most talented of those guys. When I did see him in the fall, I thought he was amazing. Threw about four innings and looked as good as anybody I saw pitch out of those fall scrimmages. But he seems like he's guy number five, maybe headed, you know, as of a couple of weeks ago which, you know, Tim Corbin has been known to do this. He did it with Walker Bueller, where he was the midweek guy for two years. I'll start with you, Joe. Any sense of where spots three, four, five? I mean, there's not really a five, but there will be at least for one week this year or a couple of weeks. How how does that work itself out, you think? I guess it's a good problem to have that we're talking about so many guys who would probably start elsewhere. Uh, as the three, four, and five, I would guess Cunningham probably has the the lead, but him and Carter have both been good from what I've seen. Uh, Dukanich, I think the issue has been control. Uh, in the last scrimmage, he pitched in three walks and a hit by pitch, but he's also got a lot of strikeouts. He got six whiffs, three strikeouts in that scrimmage. Again, I think he's the most talented out of that group. And going into the offseason, I probably would have projected him as the three. And up until recently, I kind of was married to that idea, but seeing as the other two guys have a little more experience, uh, albeit not completely productive experience, Cunningham was up and down last year. Obviously that Tennessee game kind of shows you that he's not a finished product or anything close to it. But I think those guys, Carter and Cunningham have both taken steps forward. Um, and those are guys that I would probably put ahead of Dukanich right now. I don't know what the differentiator is between Cunningham and Carter right now, but I would think it's going to be a pretty small gap uh, I would guess one of those two guys is the Sunday guy, though. McIlvain's another one, I think, uh, you look at and say maybe he could start midweeks at some point. I don't know. I guess Carter maybe comes out of the bullpen at some point if you want that to be the idea. But it's an interesting idea, and it's a lot of good problems to have. And you don't even bring up guys like Laboki or J.D. Thompson or anybody like that who I think can be productive arms for them as well. And those guys aren't even really at the top of the conversation right now. Chris, it's unbelievable. I mean, as soon as you think Vanderbilt baseball and their pitching staff can't get any better, it I mean, it this might be the most depth top to bottom. I know we've said that so many times, but just the sheer amount of arms is is ridiculous. Now, David they're not – yeah, David Horn. They're not super yeah, top-heavy, yeah. though. Like, they're not – you know, you don't have the rocker and lighter. Now, who knows? Maybe Holton and Futrell sort of become – something similar to that but they're not hyped up to be so preseason wise you you just don't have that star now maybe holton's a star you know i think he himself might even think he's got to go prove that um you know that he is that bona fide star future mlb starter we'll see but for me guys i i do think of cunningham um obviously cunningham struggled at times last year I look at Grayson Carter as a guy, d- does he start or does he close? I think he's a big closer option because other than that, I mean, I guess you can maybe, there's so much fluctuation here. Maybe you could oh, uh, decide yeah. on 
Maybe you could decide on Cunningham to close. Maybe you decide on David Horn to close. I mean, these non-conference series are going to be huge for them to, to figure that out. Uh, and Corbin has done this a lot where he uses the non-conference to, you know, I'll try this guy uh, this weekend in the third spot. Uh, I'll try this guy in the midweek. I'll try this guy as the closer. So that's going to be huge to see what spots they're in. Um, but I, I agree with you, Joey. Dukanich might have the most upside, uh, but he just still, as you mentioned, lacks control and maybe the the production. You know, I mean, you've seen some consistency from other guys like a like a Cunningham or a Carter. McIlvain to me is an interesting one. Does he end up as that third guy? Is he so good to where in those midweeks where you get to the postseason or maybe even SEC tournament and you test him out in that third game? Um, and, and then you kind of look to the postseason and say, okay, this, this staff is pretty good. But, yeah, Chris, that's that's the question for me, not only in the infield positionally, I know we'll get to those, but who is that third guy? And if they can solidify it in time for SEC play, and you know day one, day two, day three guys, you know, that's a good spot to be in as opposed to we don't know who's going day three, which a lot of times last season was the case. I'm going to just give you – an overview of this because there might be a couple guys we want to dig in on. Okay. I've got a, I've got a roster in front of me that I've kind of put together with some stats last year and, and sort of a mock depth chart from where things left off in the fall, according to talking to some people around the program. And, and I had, I had the starting pitching pecking order going Holton, Futrell, Cunningham, Carter, Buchanich. We just talked about those guys. Buchanich, Seems to be maybe maybe five of five. I, I don't know if that's accurate. And this is a kid that was, what, the 15th-ranked player out of high school by perfect game. This is the mm-hmm. kind of kid that even Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt's lost a lot of guys to the draft lately. I think that's the highest – one of the two or three highest-rated kids they've ever gotten to campus. He threw six innings last year because of that, that injury, uh, which was a leg injury, if I recall. Mm-hmm. So th- there you go. That That's just your – that's just your potential rotation, guys. Uh, you talked about Ethan McIlvain. I mean, the Carson Former comp to me, si- sign me up for that. In my mind, Carson Former had the best career start to finish of any pitcher that, that Vanderbilt's had. And, and when Tim Corbin drops a Carson Former comp, that w- that was one of his guys. I mean, at the very top of the list of his guys. So when he's dropping a comp like that on McIlvain, that's not just the pitching. That's the off-field stuff, the intangibles. A lot of the stuff that made Carson Fulmer great. Okay, you haven't mentioned the guy yet that I had written down as the closer. That's Sawyer Hawks. Transferred mm-hmm. from Air Force. Had a really good year out there last year. Um, if he's half as good as the other Air Force transfer into the SEC last year, then they've found something there. That's seven guys. Ryan Ginther, been a, been a key bullpen arm for them. Two years running. We haven't mentioned him. Laboki, you mentioned. Most staff, Sam Laboki would be one of the three starters. He's what, a fifth year guy? Mm-hmm. You, you don't see that often in this program. He's a guy that if he's healthy, and I, I would I would keep an eye on that one too, because sometimes it's your your second year back from surgery when all your stuff comes back. Sometimes your your ability to throw strikes or hit your spots is a little bit off. With Loboki last year, sometimes it looked good. Sometimes it didn't. Sam Loboki's a guy that, like, at the end of the year, I could see throwing, having thrown, I don't know, 
40, 50, maybe 60 innings with the with the whip under or 105 uh, with, yeah. with how few guys he walks. He was really good against Wake. Yeah, I mean, and, and I would watch that. See, that that's the thing. We've got so many guys that, like, somebody could step up and have a big year, and, and they're the, like the eighth or ninth guy. we get. To, I thought David Horn last year in the he, season looked fantastic. A lot of Andy staffs. He'd be he'd be a weekend guy. You've got um, I know I'm forgetting Levi J. D. Thompson. You mentioned Le- Le- Levi Huseman was the other one. Levi Huseman when he went to Coastal Carolina two years ago was a number one twenty one prospect in the class according to Perfect Game. That's a guy that was a you know a first or second rounder. Did not have a good year at all at Coastal, and I don't know all the the details of that. Walked a ton of guys. But a talent. He's a guy that you see popping up on a lot of lists. That right there is, let's see, 12, 13 pitchers I've mentioned. That that doesn't even touch on Miller Green, who a lot of people love, or, or Nate Teague, or Alex Kranzler, or, or guys like that. I mean, this is a staff I always kind of look at. And look, it, it never pans out that way, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody can't throw strikes. I, I don't know who are the 12 or 13 guys it's just not going to be the year for whatever reason, but there's going to be there's going to be a couple of them. So it never pans out like you say. But I'm always looking and going, okay, I got an SEC weekend. I got to cover 27 innings, and then have enough left over from how do I it, forget the midweek? How do I get through the 27 innings I got to cover this weekend and not have it blow up on me? I think they're going to have guys parked in the garage that don't throw a pitch on SEC weekends that would be pitching anywhere else, and I think. That's potentially what this staff is. Yeah, I, I like how you brought that up about like it's not going to be what it's supposed to be because uh, you look at basketball and stack talk all offseason about how much depth they had. They have no depth. So take yeah. everything with a grain of salt this time of the year. But even David Horn, I've been really impressed by. And that, guy, that guy's barely even in the conversation to start SEC games. In the last six innings, he's pitched one run, one hit, no walks, five strikeouts within the last two or so weeks. So – that kind of tells you what they're dealing with here. Uh, there's a ton of depth, at least on paper, uh, and a lot of talent in that room. But, again, Laboki, a guy that can maybe take a step forward as well. There's just so many of them in so many roles. I think Hawks be a guy that we don't talk about enough as well. Uh, he had, what, nine saves at Air Force last year or something along those lines, and I think he could take a step forward this year as well. Yeah, I mean, Chris, there's a lot of good pitching staffs in the country. Uh, Wake Forest probably has the best. Uh, and and just in terms of talent, one, two, three. Vanderbilt from top to bottom, though, you could argue, you know, in terms of high-end talent from there, there's not a ton of separation from their best guy, which I think we would assume would be Holton, to the 12th or 13th guy who, I mean, that could be Horn, Huseman, Hawks, I mean, you name it. We don't know. I think by the end of the season, there just won't be a ton of separation. And Chris, they didn't, they had that last year, but they weren't healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. Owen and Holton were banged up all year. Um, you know, Horn and Dukanich didn't pitch as much as they wanted to and anticipated in that staff. So for them to to stay healthy this year is the number one key. But secondly, you, there there's a lot of experience there too. Ginther has pitched a lot of meaningful innings. Cunningham, even though it hasn't been great, he's pitched a lot of innings. Uh, Carter uh, as well got some run last year. So you've got, I'd say, Chris, half of those guys, if you're saying 12-13, have really good quality innings. 
And then those other guys, whether it's a freshman or a sophomore, you know, have worked with those guys and, you know, have learned under them. So I think that's the biggest thing with this team, specifically on the mound. They can stay healthy. This can be a dangerous, dangerous team. Okay, I want to flip the conversation to hitting in the lineup in just a second. Before we do that, a reminder, we don't have a mailbag today because we kind of did this off the cuff when we could all get together, and so we didn't have time to take questions. If we did have a mailbag, it would have been brought to you by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Our podcast also presented by John Levin, the Maynard Nexus Contract Group, Government Contract Group. Maynard Nexus advises government contractors on all aspects of their needs with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Huge staff of people, even even larger than what Jerry Stackhouse has. They got their very own Chris Lee. He's probably better at his job than I am. They're great. They support our podcast. Uh, hope you, if you have the need, you will support their work also. All right. I want to start with just a blank canvas of, of your thoughts on the offense and maybe who stood out. We'll get into the lineup and how that might construct you in a minute, but I wanted to just give you guys the floor to share some observations on what you saw with the bats and the gloves. And I'll start with you, Joey. Yeah, I think it's a group that has a lot of guys that are good. We'll see if they have anybody who's great. And that's kind of my big question. Can RJ Austin take a lead? Can Jonathan Bastine take a lead? Maldonado, I think, is a freshman from last year that we don't talk about enough. We talked about him a lot last year, but throughout the offseason, haven't talked about him enough. He hit 310 in 155 plate appearances with 12 doubles and eight homers. So he could maybe take a step forward with that as well once he gets more plate appearances. Uh, I think Jaden Davis is a guy who's done some good things throughout the offseason. It's just a matter of whether they have that frontline guy. I think Troy Laniv could take a huge step forward. That's a guy I've been banging the drum for all offseason. Every time I've seen him, I feel like he's made an impact. I think it's probably more as a DH than a defender, but that's a guy who could really take a step forward. Maybe the path here for Vanderbilt to be a really great offensive team is not having the guys who are the sexy take a step forward picks from the national media. It's the guys who have been in the program for a few years who maybe people have written off. Maybe it's like a Jack Bolger taking a step forward from a 240 hitter to a 260 hitter, something along those lines. Espinal has been really good lately. Maybe it's him taking a step forward. Troy Laneve, a guy who has kind of been off a lot of people's radar, Calvin Hewitt. If those guys can take step forwards in addition to the natural steps from a Davis Diaz or a Jonathan Bastine, I think this team could be really, really good. Uh, but the guys who you look at and a guys, the guys who have got a lot of buzz in terms of draft and such like, Davis Diaz, Jonathan Vastine, Maldonado, Austin, those are all guys who could take steps forward. So you never want to be in a position to where you have to rely on guys taking a huge step forward, but it feels like Vanderbilt doesn't have to rely on them taking huge steps. It's just whether they can improve the average a few points, where they can hit two or three more homers each, and that's kind of what the offense feels like to me. If it's everybody replicating their production from last year, they're not going to be great, but I don't think that that'll be the case. I think they'll be a little bit better individually on every level. Yeah, obviously losing R.J. Shrek in terms of power. I mean, he was really their only power last year, and it didn't even have a crazy amount of home runs. So um, I've, it feels kind of weird. How do you replace that? It's not like – I mean, Shrek was a great player, uh, but I, I just think Vanderbilt is going to – they play offense differently. Um, it, it's If you compare it to football, 
Um, you know, Vanderbilt's running a different option. Uh, they're running a different offense than the spread offense, which you see so much around college football. Um, they're a little bit more conservative. They're, they're going to be strategic. They're going to run the bases. They're they're going to put guys in motion. They're going to bunt. They're they're going to they're going to get hits, right? Maybe not as home run, as many home runs, but you're going to see some singles, some doubles, some triples. Um, I, I see this team. And Joe, I love how you mentioned Leneve. There are two to three guys that have to have a big power year, I think, for this team to get where they want to go. I think Leneve is one of those guys. I think Jack Bolger is one of those guys. Bolger has a very powerful bat. Um, and, you know, we, we saw it at times last year. Uh, you know, we struggle with consistently consistency like a lot of these bats. I think Bolger is one of those guys. Um, and, and then you go down, Braden Holcomb in his time. You know, I'm not expecting him to hit 10 home runs, but, I mean, you know, if, if he – gets to a point where where he is seeing more time, more time than we expected, he's going to have to hold up his end of the bargain power-wise. I look at Chris Maldonado, a guy that that has to be one of those. RJ Austin maybe not as much, but you have to you have to find some power uh, whether it's, you know, with with Leneve or Bulger whoever you, you have to, but they 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 play offense differently and and I just think they they need to steal more bases as well. Last year, other than Bradfield, I was looking at the stats. It was really just Bastein and, and Austin, mm-hmm. I think, had around five to six apiece. I mean, it was really just Bradfield. So I'm looking at that too, Chris. Can, can they – I mean, that Bradfield was really – their only offense at times, to be honest. Him getting the first, then getting the second, then finding his way to third, and then Vandy gets a hit. You got to run. I mean, you, there were a lot of games last year where Bradfield produced the only offense for that team, and that that has to change. Um, you know, I, I look at Cam Kojal as a potential X factor. That guy's got a really good bat from people I've heard within the program and has looked really good um, as a young guy. Uh, again, can Holcomb step into a role? Uh, I, but, Chris, we've talked about this. I look at that junior class as a class that just has to step up. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's their time. Uh, you look at some of the juniors, Matthew Polk, Jonathan Vastine, Davis Diaz, those guys. Jacob Humphrey's a junior, but he's a transfer. I think Humphrey's going to have to play a role uh, this year as well. So there are guys on this team, Bulger and Espinal, as as seniors. You know, it's time. It's time for you guys to to step into your roles. And like Joey said, I like what you said, Joey, about maybe hit two or three more homers than you did last year, right? Just kind of if you get that gradual production, I think they'll be fine just because of how good they are on the mound. Chris, one more thing before I go back. Sure. Uh, Davis Diaz, one I want to mention. The numbers aren't fantastic, but I think could be another guy who provides some power. Hit nine homers last year, and I think the yeah. average and the on base percentage and all that will go up gradually, just because whatever the metric is for college baseball luck was really poor to Davis yeah. Diaz last year. So if that comes back to earth, if it's law of averages, you'd think he's hitting closer to 275, 280 than 263. And he played on the Cape. So did RJ Austin, and they they looked really good uh, over the summer too. Mm-hmm. You guys sent me scurrying to the stat sheet with a lot of stuff you said. So I got three things for you. Nobody on this team hit double digit homers last year. Now Maldonado hit eight, Diaz hit nine, Austin hit seven, Humphrey hit nine at UMass Lowell, Jaden Davis hit nine at Sanford. So there's a lot of guys that are just right there. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody bumps it up three home runs, and all of a sudden maybe you got six guys in the lineup that that hit double-digit home runs, and that'll play. Might not be Wyatt Langford, 
but but that'll I think that'll play yeah. with what they've got. You know, Chris, you mentioned it might not be Wyatt Langford. Langford, this doesn't have to be a Florida or an LSU style no. power offense for a Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those teams, if you look at A and M with a ton of power, they don't have the pitching. Nobody has the pitching that Vanderbilt does, other than maybe Wake Forest. And there's a lot of other good staffs. Arkansas has a good staff. Um, but from top to bottom, because of the pitching you have, you don't have to be LSU. You don't have to be Florida. And so we're not asking, you know, we're, I want that to get across too. We're not saying this team has to be jumbo power hitting, um, you know, Yankees of the, you know, with Babe Ruth, but, uh, this team just has to be, they have to be better than last year, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be super dramatic. Like, like you said, yeah. Joey, that if, I mean, two to three more home runs than you hit last year, like you said, Chris will play. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play stump the guys here. See if you guys can get this. Leading stolen base guy on this roster from last year, based on what they did anywhere, Jacob Humphrey stole 32 of 37 at UMass Lowell. One guy on this roster stole double digit bases last year. See if you can guess who it is. Billy, I'll let you go first. Because you look like you're more clueless, and I'm going to put I, you on the spot. <laughs> I don't love this. Was it Vastine? No. Joey? Was it? Billy, you can get a, you can get a second one, Billy. Vastine stole five. Okay. It wasn't R.J. Austin, was which, it? Which actually, you know what? He's the, He was the second leading. Yeah, the, his the second most stolen bases does Vastine of anybody on this roster from last year that played it in the Vandy uniform. Joey, no mm, cheating. I see you okay. looking down. This I, could be. Are yeah, you I'm gonna go Vastine or Austin? I have a. Well, we just eliminated Vastine, so I'm really out of the box answer. I'm Davis, Jaden Davis. Hmm. Was it Hewitt? It was Hewitt. Did you cheat? Mm. No, I just I was looking <laughs> okay. at the roster. Look here, it's just the it's just the roster. Okay. Joe is a man <laughs> of honor. I, just, I believe. I'm telling you, it's just the roster. Hey, I'm looking at the camera. Joe's looking down. I, that's what I thought too, Billy. Did I pan it down? <laughs> All right. We need to do Enough us three more often. We we do. Uh, with with something to talk about other than whatever. Red Panda. I can't wait. Red, Red Panda. You're going to get a breakdown on Red Panda tonight, aren't you? Oh, I, I, you know, there's a lot of NBA players on the floor tonight, but she's the most talented person in the arena. She might be. She's Red Panda something. <laughs> Okay, uh, Joey, comment of yours about 10 minutes ago got me to thinking. You, you talked about doubles and stuff. Like, okay, this is a lineup that, that puts the ball in play a lot. Uh, I'm going to give you strikeout rates from last year in no particular order. Bulger, 14%. That's pretty good. Anything other 15% I consider fair. Um, Maldonado, 11%. Diaz was at 10%, 15%. I can't read my own stuff. Um, Austin, 10%. Jaden Davis, 12. S, um, I'm sorry, Jaden Davis, 14. Um, Jacob Humphrey, 18. Now, here's here's the bigger problem. You got Vastine was 25, but he did walk more, which felt like Vastine didn't walk at all as a freshman. Lanise struck out 35% of the time, so that's got to come down. And Espinal struck out 32%, but it's a lot of guys here. Uh, Hewitt struck out 20% of the time. That feels like a big number for him. Uh, you got Matt Polk who struck out 22%, doesn't take a walk ever. Hewitt didn't walk much either last year. 
were surprising me a little bit. But a lot, a lot of guys that put the ball in play at a time where it feels like strikeout rates north of 20% are pretty much, I don't know if the norm is right, but that they happen a lot more than they used to. Yeah, I mean, Chris, that was the that was the issue, especially in that regional. I mean, the, the at-bats didn't look super competitive. Um, you know, you saw a lot of – you saw some looking. You just saw a lot of swing and misses, I think, specifically in the regional, right? I know you mentioned a lot of those guys, uh, they put the ball in play, but I think still there's an extra level for those guys. Like Espinal, Espinal is intriguing too. We haven't talked a ton about him, um, but – Say he makes more starts at catcher, you know, is that because offensively he's a little bit better? We know his defense, but that battle offensively between him and him and Bulger is going to be interesting to see who gets on base more. I, you know, they, they could split them evenly. I think Bulger had maybe 20 more starts than him, I think, last year, something like that. So, you know, Espinal's another guy to watch there. Uh, but you mentioned Vastine, Diaz, um, you know, Bulger. Those those are the guys that Vastine and Diaz in particular. Uh, Vastine isn't known for his offense. He's one of the better defenders in the country at shortstop, athletic. You know he can run, uh, but I think Vastine has to get on base at a better clip than he did last year uh, for this team. He'll probably be at the top of the lineup, you would guess, uh, kind of replacing Bradfield unless Humphrey starts. There's still so much to to sort through, but yeah, Chris, I think the at bats especially in the postseason, are going to have to be a little bit more competitive. Chris, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Ooh. Who do we think are the best candidates for the leadoff spot? I think Vastine. I think of Vastine. Can, can, can I table your question? Because I sure. think we got to settle on who's the lineup first. Right. Right, yeah. So I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to turn it on you guys for a minute. I'm going, to, I'm going to go position by position. This guy's media trained. He's good. That's right. Answer a question with a question. He's been in enough Clark Lee press conferences to know. Right. Catcher, we got we got Bolger, we've got Espinal, both right-handed hitters. Logan Potich, your third, also right-handed hitter. I'm going to guess Espinal probably gets more time behind the plate. I don't think you're going to DH Espinal probably. If he's in the lineup, he's going to be catching. Bolger, you could see him in left. You could see him DH. What do you, how do you see, how do you guys see this breaking out? I'll give Billy the first turn. I'm with you, Chris. I, personally, I think Espinal has more upside uh, as a potential pro. I'm not saying he is a pro, but defensively, his arm is is phenomenal. Um, and I think, I just think he's a better defensive catcher than Bulger. The, the reason Bulger has seen more time and saw more time last year, offensively, there's a lot of potential there and he's got a lot of pop. Um, so it, this is a guess on my part, but I, I think Espinal ends up kind of turning into that guy uh, at catcher. He's going to have to step up on offense, but I do. I would go Espinal there. Yeah, I think Espinal probably maybe plays more behind the plate, but Bolger probably plays more generally. Uh, they they tested him a lot of positions mm -hmm. throughout the fall and the spring. Poti, uh, I don't think plays a whole lot. But I really like Poti. Hit 347 this summer, albeit not on the Cape, and I think has a really good frame. The only thing that concerns me about the summer is I think he only had like five extra base hits out of 35 or 40. So that that's where I look and say, well, there's maybe that summer wasn't as good as we had anticipated originally. But I think the two veterans are the main guys, obviously, as would 
fit with Tim Corbin's program and what he's looking for. Uh, Espinal, obviously the power guy, power arm. Uh, Bolger, I think, brings a lot of what Tim Corbin likes, though, and there's a reason that he let him off against Wake Forest in the first game and has tried so much to get him in the lineup no matter where he's playing. All right. First base, probably Chris Maldonado. Yep. You could see Braden Holcomb. I don't think it seems like Matt Austin Ford has not been as prominent in the discussion, maybe, as those other guys. You guys have been at the scrimmages. I'm not. Um, Billy had first crack at catcher. Joey, give me your rundown at first base. Yeah, I think Maldonado is the guy. Holcomb, I guess, would be another name I'd bring up. Austin Ford, I asked Corbin about, and he just said consistency is the thing, consistently putting mm-hmm. good at-bats together. I think the power tool is as good as anybody besides maybe Holcomb and Leneve. Uh, I mean, he cleared the bleachers a couple weeks ago in, in a scrimmage. So he does some really good things for him, but I'm not quite ready to say that he's going to contribute this year. I think he's he could be a really good player for them down the line. Another thing, too, we talked to RJ Austin, and he mentioned uh, wherever I'm going to play, I'm going to bring my best or whatever. And he he listed off positions, and he said center field, second base, and mentioned first base as well. So that's not something I would completely rule out, although I think Maldonado is the guy for dang near all the games at first base. Yeah, I, I got Maldonado as the guy. He's It's interesting, his build, you, don't even, you wouldn't think of him as a first baseman, I don't think. I mean, he – played a little third last year he's probably primarily a, a, a left side of the infielder you know third maybe even short down the road he probably plays third next year when Diaz leaves um, but Corbin has done this a lot where you just kind of you know, he can play first all right you know let's ride with him you've seen Aaron Westlake a guy that's 6'3 6'4 uh, you know Spencer Jones was in right field but Maldonado isn't your typical build for a first baseman. Again, he can play it defensively, and that's all that matters. So, yeah, Maldonado seems to be there. Do like the potential of Austin Fort, though, as that kind of first baseman down the road. Second base, Billy, I'll start with you. Feels like a Cam Kozil situation. Is it, yeah. it Kozil? Kozil. Kozil. Excuse me. I knew I was screwing it up. <laughs> I'm going to have trouble with that. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, it, it does feel like a casual situation. Uh, you have Jaden Davis there, a guy with more experience, but is transferring from a lower level. Um, so that that's going to be a really interesting battle. I think second base is one of the spots that Corbin referred to as one of the toughest y- decision-making years, off seasons that mm-hmm. that he's ever had. Um, and he wasn't he he wasn't saying he's concerned about it. He's just that's kind of the issue we have right now. Um, and so you'll see Kojal there in the non-conference. You'll see Davis there in the non-conference. As Joey said, you might see RJ Austin there, uh, some in the non-conference. But yeah, just Kojal's a really good player. Um, he's young. Uh, I've heard really good things about him offensively, whether it's in the cage, um, you know, in scrimmages, whatever. Kojal's very mature. Uh, he's from Omaha. So I, yeah. I think that kind of tells you. You know, he's probably he he'd probably like to go home uh, this year. So I think there's some motivation there, and he doesn't have to as a freshman and as a second baseman. If you can play defense, Chris, and you know you're not asking this guy to to hit 10 home runs and hit 300. You know, if you can you can hit at least 270, I think you know you're, you're sort of holding up your end of the bargain as a freshman. So um, he's athletic with, with a solid bat. He can handle the bat. So he might be put in a lot of situations to just put the ball in play maybe some sack bunts here or there. So Kojal, but Jaden Davis, don't don't sleep on Jaden Davis because 
say Kojal hits sort of that freshman wall, or whether it's mm-hmm. midway through the year early, you got Jaden Davis right there. So, um, and, and we know about his time at Sanford and, you know, a, a local kid out of Cookville. So, interesting battle, one of the more interesting position battles. Yeah. This is one of the more difficult ones for me to project. RJ Austin was the second baseman for a lot of last year, but I think there's a reason that they're talking about him playing multiple positions, and that's not just because of how great of an athlete it is. He led the team in errors last year. I think he had 10 in 58 games or so, so not great, and a lot of those were costly. I think Chris and I were together for some of those, and we were like, they got to figure out second base. And I think Kojo was probably the guy I would like to see there, but I would mix in some Austin and – Davis starts if I'm projecting. Davis, I think, could be a guy who maybe even takes a power breakout this year. Maybe not like a 20 home run year, but again, like we said, gradually increasing. He hit nine last year, and it feels like he's put on some weight and has become a little bit more of a power threat. I think that's what people were projecting when he was in the portal is that he would take on a little more power if he gets consistent at-bats, but Kojal is a guy I've been really impressed with. I've seen him a good bit, and I don't have defensive metrics from the scrimmages, but I feel like his would be pretty dang good. He made a really nice play Saturday at third base, actually, before the basketball game on a liner, probably saved a run or two. Um, just kind of knows the position at second base, it seems like. And every time I see him, puts together an at-bat that I think is really productive, even if he doesn't hit the ball hard or even if he gets out, it feels like he's really working the count and has a mature approach there that you don't see from a lot of freshmen. Let's do – third and short at the same time, because I, I think this is probably fairly easy. Uh, Diaz and Vastine, third and short, respectively. Billy? Yep, yeah, Diaz and Vastine, and I think Braden Holcomb could play some third this year. Yeah. Um, Vastine, the shortstop, I, I think I saw maybe Devin Kodali in there some, Joey, in the scrimmages, but yeah, Vastine, Vastine and Diaz have that, that side locked up. Yeah. I think those are the bigger question is what happens if one of them gets hurt. And I think, I think that's where we're projecting right now. Like it's almost like Ezra Magnon at point guard. Like if he gets hurt, what happens? Cause you know, he's going to start fast. I think he's too good of a defender to move. And Diaz has third base lockdown as well. I think if Vastine went down, maybe Diaz moves to short and they move Kojal to third uh, or Holcomb to third and then try to get Davis or Austin in the lineup at second. It's just, it's just going to be a matter with some of these position battles, not to say these are position battles, just of whether how they get more good bats in the lineup on a nightly basis. And I think that's what they're trying to figure out right now. Outfield. I've, I've got an idea. I want to see what you guys say without me biasing your answer. Um, Joey, Joe, I'll start with you this time. Give, give me your your outfield, your starting outfield, left, right, and center, and, and then hedge your bets appropriately wherever you feel is necessary. Yeah, that's a question that's pretty difficult for me right now. There's just I was putting together a list, and there's just so many names. Like When I was looking at the outfield, I, I brought up Polk's name. I think maybe he starts at left field. Center field, there's three guys who I think can be capable center fielders, Austin, Humphrey, and Hewitt. Right field, uh, J.D. Rogers, another name that comes up, but mm. either Humphrey or Hewitt, I would have to guess. Humphrey played at right field when I was there a couple of days ago and made a really nice catch out there. I think one of the, the center fielder has to be Austin or Humphrey. It's I'm going to give you a media trained answer here because there's just so many names. Leneve, I would guess, probably DHs rather than actually plays the outfield. Uh, uh-huh. But if I had to give you an answer, probably Polk in left, Austin in center, Humphrey and right, 
and then Hewitt mixing in pretty significantly. Um, maybe Holcomb plays a little bit in the outfield. I think he's been in left a bit, and then Rogers uh, maybe plays a little bit of right. But I would guess Polk, Austin, Humphrey with Hewitt as the first guy off the bench, or Hewitt mixing in for Polk perhaps in uh, left. Yeah, I, I've got the same, literally. Um, I mean, I think Corbin obviously has some decisions to make. Does he want to put Leneve in the field, or does he want to tell Troy just, hey, focus on the bat this year? You know, is that a benefit for them? Um, I think it personally would be, um, and I think I think that's going to be the case. Uh, Matthew Polk hasn't been great defensively. He doesn't have the strongest arm. I don't know that I – mean, does that, does that matter a ton? Probably not, but, I mean, I think it matters a little bit. Like, Corbin – values defense and i think if you guys have if you have guys in the outfield that can run and and can cover ground that's huge i mean enrique bradfield i can't tell you how many runs he saved and extra base hits he saved last year vanny's gonna miss that um and you know they, they've got austin who's got speed uh but it's another thing to go make the catch um right and and bradfield rarely made any errors so I think that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Can Vanderbilt clean, play clean? We know how clean they are in the infield. Can they play clean in the outfield? That's still important. It's not as, you know, you just don't get as many chances to make an error in the outfield as you do in the infield. But I still think you need to be play clean out there. But I agree with you, Joey. I think it's Polk, Austin, and Humphrey. Um, I, I hate leaving out uh, Hewitt um, and even J.D. Rogers. J.D. Rogers has has shown some some things in, in the offseason, but, Hewitt, like you said, can can sort of intermix there with Humphrey and right or even Polk and left. So uh, even in center, too. So there, there's a ton of interchanging that can happen. But, yeah, I do think it's Polk and left, Austin and center, and then Humphrey and right. I also okay. wouldn't rule out ahead, Humphrey and Austin switching and Humphrey being in center, Austin and right. They have three guys who can be capable center fielders in my mind with Hewitt, Austin, and Humphrey. Okay, so final answer is going to be um, probably Espinal at catcher with Bolger when Espinal's not catching. We good with that? Yeah. Maldonado at first, Kozil at second. Um, did I get that right? Always. Yeah, Kozil. Mm -hmm. It's like Ezra Mignon. It's just I, I have the yips with that name now. It's it's just going to stick with me. Uh, Diaz at third, Vastine at short. Polk and left, probably Austin and center. And did we say Humphrey and right? Yeah. Okay. And DH Bolger? I'd have Leneve. Slash Leneve. Yeah. I mean, sorry, Leneve. That's, yeah. Well, here we go. Um, the fact that we're doing this just tells you how rotational it can be. Well, here and here's here's who we've left out. We we've left out maybe the the, the guys with the two most raw power on the team. Uh, with apologies to Leneve and, and Austin Fort and Holcomb. Is is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've on a team that needs power. Uh, we have left out the reigning Southern Conference Freshman of the Year and Jaden Davis. Uh, and we've left out the guy in Cal Hewitt, who is probably among everybody in the roster, got the best career on base percentage. Again, I, I know people have, have moaned. Have. Yeah, I have, have groaned about, hey, they don't have power, or whatever. I and I, I get it. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and tell you they match up with Florida or or LSU or whoever. They're they're probably not going to. 
but good, good luck finding a lineup with that kind of that kind of. Now, I get. I guess you wish if you could make trades, maybe you'd find a team that was you know lacking a corner guy somewhere and package a two for one for a guy that cracks the lineup. Of course, you can't do that. I mean, I guess with the transfer portal, you could, but uh, that's we're not we're not going to go there today. Um, but I, I think I just made my point. Yeah, I mean. Chris, it's it's going to be a tough lineup to face. You know, as I don't think, I don't think uh, even a day one pitcher in the SEC is going to be super excited about facing this lineup. They're going to they're going to have long at bats like Corbin always does. He values defense. I don't want to say over offense, but he values defense to a to a degree where okay, if I can get this guy in the field, that's a star defender like a Tyler Campbell, uh, who ended mm-hmm. up he was most outstanding player of the College World Series, made huge plays defensively. So. And that'll come back to bite you, especially in the postseason, if you don't value defense. So he just he's always valued defense. Uh, but my question is, has today's day and age of college baseball shifted to where if you don't have offense, it'll really bite you in the postseason? So um, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see what this team has, uh, not only offensively, but who starts where, you know, and how much switching do we actually see? Yeah, I think this team probably the biggest question in my mind is the power and whether the pitchers can stay healthy. I think you're re- relying on Laniv a lot. It's a guy who hasn't stayed fully healthy throughout his career, hasn't shown you production outside of a few really hot weeks. That's the guy you're really relying on to be your power guy. So I think the power is going to be a question, but I think they're going to put together at-bats from top to bottom of the lineup. There's not a whole lot of guys who are going to strike out a lot. They're going to run the base as well, and they're going to play good defense. So that's a winning formula. It's just a matter of whether the lineup can be elite, and that's probably their my biggest question with them right now. By the way, Billy uh, Dansby Swanson was the most outstanding player of the okay. in College but, World Series, but Tyler Campbell did make the the all tournament team and did okay. Yeah, we made we made the all tournament team in Omaha, okay. and he ended up being a guy that because of an unfortunate situation with the guy that just kind of got thrust in the lineup. But but your 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 point is is very well made. So yeah. Um, you sent me scrambling the internet. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it was Swanson, so I did fact check. Okay, him. I don't know why I, I thought it might have been Campbell. I know he well, had some. Campbell praise, was a guy that hit the like the triple the or walk. The, remember, they had like that nine run inning, um, that that broke open that game two. Yeah. I guess it was or the maybe triple down the line. One. Yeah, that just kind of that was the yeah. probably other than Norwood's home run, probably the biggest hit of that of yeah. that World Series. So yeah, Chris, we got to get Joey. Chris, have you got over Dansby's? Uh, College or free agency yet? No. I love this free agency. That you had to tough. be the jerk to bring that up. So thanks, I, Joey. I did have to do that. Yeah. Am I getting a? Am I that's getting my that's how you pay that? me back for all this. Yeah, I'm getting my pay cut for that. I think. Right. Right. I think I've that told was that tough. story on the pod, haven't I? That was tough for like two or three days, but then after. Oh no, like, no, oh. Billy, that's still <laughs> tough. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize this hit you so hard. We we let our first baseman and shortstop for life walk in the in the transfer portal mm. at the MLB level, and I'm still not. I, I love I love Matt Olson. I'm just like I don't know. I feel like I turn on the Braves. Swanson should be Manning short, and Freeman should be at first. Chris is still mourning. I am. I, yeah, that. In case, in case you guys hadn't heard that story, I think I told this. We were we were driving out west to see my my in laws for. I've been driving all day. We stop in the middle of Kansas at an Applebee's, 
Um, and we'll, we'll end this here quickly. And, and five degrees outside, we popped in. I'm, I'm watching ESPN on the ticker there. It says that Swanson's gone to the Cubs, and it just was mm, – That was tough. We had to pay an $1,800 car repair bill that morning. The, the, the Swanson news hit me much harder than that. <laughs> Chris so loves anyway. his baseball. Oh, man. It's guys, we're almost here. We're almost here. Can this weather stay this way? The FAU series is probably going to be like 35 all weekend. Oh. Billy, you know, you know, have I explained to you the way this works? Uh, I've heard it before. <laughs> What's going to happen is it's going to be 60 all week. And then right the morning of that game, it's going to drop to it's about 30. So then it's going to feel <laughs> like it's 10. And it's going to do this like, every weekend. It's going to tease us during the week, and they'll be on the road somewhere. It'll be 70 degrees here, and the minute they roll in for weekend baseball, that's when the cold hits. That's, that's just kind of how it goes. And when it warms up, that's when we get the rain. Oh, there's players. My, my, my grass can be dying out front, but all we need is a, a series at the Hawk, and it's like Noah's Ark. Oh, there's players at, at Hawkins Field and fans in the stands? No, nope, yeah. you're not getting good Bring weather on the until rain. at least March. Yeah. That's the best thing about this basketball season is the games actually have happened. That's about all you can say about this basketball season, though. <laughs> yep. They Who are, they the are a basketball team. Just end it. <laughs> <laughs> All right.